Pabst Blue Ribbon. Always smooth, always refreshing. Gold medal winner at the 2016 Great American Beer Festival. When you're this good, quality always comes through. PB Army, ASAP. Hey, Touch Em All fans, Twins fans, 1500 ESPN fans. I don't know. Uh, whoever is in this room, thank you for coming by. We've got a special episode of the Touch Em All podcast today. Um, I'm Derek Wetmore. I'm the senior editor and Twins analyst at 1500ESPN.com. If you're watching me on Facebook Live right now, hello. Thank you for coming. Uh, leave your questions in the comment section below. That's what we're going to do for this episode Phil Mackey uh, working on his suntan a little bit before spring training begins. Uh, so I am flying solo on this episode of the podcast, which, depending on your opinion of my opinions, is either a very good thing or a very bad thing. And either way, don't tell me. I don't want to know. Um, I'm going to start a quick... Uh, I'm going to put, put this uh, link out on Twitter, and then we can start getting to your questions. I uh, just want to make sure we bring in all of our friends... And some of some of you aren't friends with us on Facebook, and that's okay. I don't hold that against you. Okay, I think that is tweeted. Double check the link, and then we'll get to it. If anybody has any questions, obviously you can leave them in the comment section at any point here. Um, I I will try to take as many of them as I possibly can. I found out in past weeks that there are sometimes that the comments don't show up for me on my cell phone, which is where I am uh, recording this. But then they'll show up later, like after the fact, uh, on the on the website. And if that's the case, I will do my best to answer all of those as well. If I don't get to them on the video, I promise to make an effort to get to them in the comments section. Um, let's get off of Twitter so we don't get distracted. Oh, let's not watch ourselves on this video. That's even more distracting. Okay. Here are the news items for the week since the last time we did one of these videos. I'll go in uh, I'll go in reverse order. I had done a post, started my Twins 2017 Outlook series and that's I'm guessing what a lot of the questions are going to be about today because it's been kind of slow for the Twins as they approach spring training here. Uh, pitchers and catchers report next week. No big deal or anything. Um, I wrote about Byron Buxton uh, was he was the first edition of the uh, Outlook series for 2017. I thought it was a natural place to start. The I call him the most pivotal player on the Twins for this upcoming season. I think that holds true uh, whether he has a good season or a bad season. Personally, I expect him to have a good season, and Phil and I talked on previous podcast episodes about how he's uh, he's supposed to kind of this is supposed to be his breakout year. So we'll see what happens for Buxton. Phil says he's going to be a four-war player. I know I've seen that's what the uh, Zips projection on Fangraphs has him uh, for the non-nerds in the room. Basically, Fangraphs and Phil Mackey are saying that Byron Buxton is going to be one of the top 30 to 40 players in all of baseball this year. Um, I could see that. And you know what? I could see him taking a step even beyond that. But... As much as we want to buy into the great September that he posted, where he was, you know, inarguably a superstar player, um, I think that we should still understand that this is a young player. He's still a developing talent, and despite the fact that he turned 23 over the winter and that he posted a good September, I just don't see that as a sure thing 
that he's going to be a superstar right away. But I'll argue against myself here. I said the title of the column was Why I See a Superstar in Byron Buxton. Um, I'll, I'll open that one up. We can talk about it in a little bit. Uh, other news items. Honestly, it's been a weird week the way I've sort of been following. Um, the Twins signed reliever Matt Belisle. Belisle? I'm not sure. I'm going to have to check with him on that. But he is... I mean, he pitched for the Nats last year, and he's had some good years. I don't see him as a huge upgrade to the bullpen, other than the fact that he's a veteran. He adds some kind of stability. And in a weird statistical quirk, he actually crushed lefties. I don't know how much I buy into that, really, as a sustainable skill for him. I don't really see that this year, unless he's changed his repertoire, That and, and I'm unaware of it. Something either changed and he became great at getting out lefties last year after having a career of being uh not not really having any discernible splits and or it was just kind of fluky it was a one of those random stats quirks those things happen um i will say that uh, adding a veteran makes sense to the bullpen but i don't really see belial or belial as as the kind of guy who will be pitching in the eighth or ninth inning it's possible i mean Things could break any number of ways for the Twins this season, um, but I just don't see it as a very likely thing. It's, it's, in my opinion, more likely that he's like a seventh-inning guy, and then that would allow the Twins to move Trevor May into the starting rotation. So if if that's the case, and May is a starting pitcher, like I've sort of contended all along he should be, then okay, then the Belial thing makes sense. A little more interesting in that signing, and I've got a column on the signing if you want to go read about his numbers, but a little more interesting is that the Twins decided to DFA Byung-Ho Park. That was a little bit surprising to me. It's basically saying, okay, either they think he's not going to get claimed, uh, or they have a trade partner, or they're fine to just get rid of the salary and punt on the possible upside that Byung-Ho Park brings. I'm a little... I'm a little wary of that strategy because a couple of people have written, I think notably um, Travis Sawshik at, uh, at he was either Fangraphs or MLB.com. I, th- I think I read it on MLB.com, but I want to say it was a Fangraphs post. Anyway, he basically wrote a column and it was brilliant talking about some of the batted ball data that the, the Byung-Ho Park had from last season. And despite the fact that he hit something like 190, he barreled up a lot of balls. When he hit fly balls and line drives, he hit screamers. And he has obvious power. I mean, everyone that's seen him play would agree that he has 80-grade power, at least raw power. We saw it come out in games last year. He had like nine home runs for the first six weeks of the season, and it was going great. Um, things didn't finish the season so well for Byung-Ho Park. But still, with three years and like nine and a quarter million dollars left on his contract, a little surprised to see that the Twins would be willing to give up on that potential upside. Um, but with that being said, I had him start the year in Rochester. Um, so I was already projecting they were going to take him off the 25-man roster when I did my 25-man projection in January. I wasn't projecting they were going to take him off the 40-man. That was a little bit surprising to me. Uh, we can talk about that if you guys have questions there. And lastly... The Twins signed an infielder. I think it's A-Ray Adrianza. He was uh, with the Brewers organization, but he's actually played most recently with the Giants. 
Both of those teams took him off their 40-man roster, so he was available. Uh, I always, you know, I always caution people. People always think that the latest guy that they claim off waivers, not the Twins, just fans of any team, oh, this waiver piece could be the the final piece. And sometimes it does work out. Uh, That's why the system is in place. But keep in mind, he was off two 40-man rosters for a reason. And that reason in this case is that he can't hit a lick. Uh, Adrianza is worse over his career as a hitter than Danny Santana. So, you know, limited upside with the bat, but I will say a guy who can play second base, third base, and shortstop and is known for his slick fielding, he might have a place on this team. He might be sort of that extra infielder that Paul Molitor likes to have on his bench. Um, I think Eduardo Escobar is probably a bench role, and Adrianza might be another one. Um, Not ready to go there yet, just as the fact that they claimed him off waivers doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to break camp with the Twins. But an interesting addition. But I think I, I think that the two of those guys that they added, I'm not sure that they're the kind of guys you write home about, that you get real excited about. Uh, with that, those are all of the news updates for the week. Let's jump into some questions, if you guys have any. Uh, Devlin Clark asks, let's see, I'm going to read this off my computer, Devlin. Hold on one quick second. Here we go. Uh, Devlin asks, what do you think about the 40-man moves? Taking Park off is a bit of a surprise, uh, but the light move makes sense. He's referring to Pat Light, who was taken off the 40-man for Adrianza. Um, Now, in reference to Adrianza, I think, Devlin, you're saying that the guy they got yesterday is a nice pickup. Tweeted the stat, uh, which granted is a small sample size, but still impressive. Wow. Of the 88 players to amass 300 innings at shortstop since 2013, A. Ray Adrianza ranks third in UZR per 150. He trails only Simmons and Lindor. That would be Andrelton Simmons and Francisco Lindor. Yeah, Devlin, uh, saw the stat. It is interesting. Now, keep in mind, we're not talking about a huge sample of innings here for Adrianza. So that is something that I'm wary of whenever I see... I'm going to give you a thumbs up for that comment. Thank you for thank you for dropping it by. Um, whenever I see UZR per 150 cited, I actually like it a little bit better than UZR, but the caveats still apply. I think we get far too enamored with uh, defensive runs saved and ultimate zone rating in assuming that they're kind of just this like catch-all metric for defense. And I don't really agree with that. I think especially with the way... Um, shifts have started to account for some things uh, as batted ball data is easier to track and frankly every team in Major League Baseball now is figuring out okay this guy hits it here this percentage of the time so let's play the numbers and pull our shortstop over the top of second base or something like that I think we're going to have to have I don't want to say a revolution but we need to have like an incremental improvement in defensive metrics because right now they're just they're imperfect and that's fine if we take them as how I like to take them. Now this is my personal bias but the way I like to use things like UZR or DRS is to say okay DRS says this, UZR says this, and it's kind of consistent with what I hear from scouts and what I've seen for myself, so let's put some stock into it. But there are other times where I'll say, okay, uh, UZR says Brian Dozier is a good second baseman, but I'm not convinced that he gets to as many balls as he used to two, three years ago. He's kind of always making those sliding plays, so so 
he's flashes, right? People think he's a great defensive second baseman because he makes these plays that jump out at you. But I don't know that he has the range that that we've seen from him in a couple years past. So inconclusive. That's that's the way I like to evaluate defense, and Adrianza is fairly similar. Uh, it's good company, of course. Anytime you're mentioned at shortstop, along Andrelton Simmons and Francisco Lindor, so so that's certainly a good sign, and one of the reasons that I think he could be one of those bench gloves that Paul Molitor might like to use this year. But I would just caution Devlin to not put too much stock into UZR per 150. Um, it's it's a useful tool, but don't treat it as gospel. That's that's all I'm trying to say. I, same, it's the same way I think about wins above replacement. You guys know if you're listening to the podcast, you know I'm a stats geek. You know I'm a believer in metrics and that I like to pay attention to where players rate statistically. I also try to pump the brakes on the war conversation a little bit because we rely so heavily on these defensive numbers that I think are yet imperfect and. If you really dive deep into things, you see a player who's a 4.5 war player and one who's a 4.7 war player. I don't think we can yet definitively say that the 4.7 win player is better. So it's a, it's a useful guide. It's it's a helpful tool to have in the toolbox. But um, just like UZR, just like DRS, I don't say wins above replacement is sort of like this end-all, be-all statistic. So... Man, that was a long, rambling answer to your question. Um, And I didn't even answer the Pat Light thing. Pat Light is an interesting arm, but he was basically gravy, right? You got him in the Fernando Abad trade, and Abad, you had signed for a minor league deal and had a great first half, and you spun him off for a prospect. If Pat Light sticks around in the organization, he's one of those guys who I could eventually see developing into a nice reliever. But I don't think you're necessarily taking a huge risk taking him off the 40-man roster. The Twins have a ton of hard-throwing pitchers. And ones that are maybe a little bit more equipped uh, with strikeout stuff and to limit the walks and limit runs at the next level. Um, We didn't see that with Pat Light last year. Obviously, he's still more of a prospect than a proven thing. But I'm a little more... I'm questioning the park move a little bit more than I'm questioning the light move. Um, Let's see. What other questions we got? Nick says, do you cover what's going on with Park? Yeah, I wrote a column about it. Um, and the latest, I was reading Ken Rosenthal this morning over my coffee, which I'm sure you guys were all doing the same. And he basically, in a column about the Rays, he mentions Park as a right-handed bat that the Rays could be interested in adding. Now, I'm going to do a column on that today. I wanted to get the video and podcast up first, but... Basically, I could see it making sense. I know Dave Cameron wrote something similar over at Fangraphs about basically Park being a low-risk gamble. Now, it sounds crazy to say somebody owed more than $9 million is low-risk, but like in today's economic climate of Major League Baseball, he's right. That is a low-risk. You're basically flushing $3 million a year, and if it works and you've got like a two- or three-win bat, all right, then that's some really good value. And if it doesn't work, okay, you spent the same that teams are spending on, you know, middle inning relievers. It's it's just, uh, it's about the economics, I think, um, the balance of how much, how much money and how much upside. And like, are you willing to spend the money if the, if the, if the production is zero? And in this case, there are teams that are, 
may be willing to do that. They're willing to spend nine million bucks on the off chance that that zero production turns into a nice, useful uh, designated hitter, maybe part-time player, whatever. Um, but Byung-ho Park, I think, still has that upside. So anyway, uh, to answer your question, I covered it when it first happened, and then I had a couple of days off, so I took the weekend, uh, and now I see Ken Rosenthal saying that the Rays might be interested. I know Cameron, um, in his post, mentioned also, I think, the White Sox as a, as a potential team for Byung-ho Park. I don't know. I still could see it ending in Minnesota. So I'll have a column on that later today, I hope, assuming uh, everything goes well. Let's see. Uh, other questions. I know that I can see more on my computer, so I'll go over that. Uh, thanks for the thanks for the question, Nick. Andy Stewart asks, can you talk 2017 draft and who the Twins might take first overall? Short answer is no. I'm not informed enough to talk about the draft. I know everyone keeps talking about Hunter Green and we'll see uh, what happens. But personally, for me, because I don't dig into the high school and college ranks nearly as much as I do minor league baseball and specifically major league baseball, it's really hard for me to comment on who the top guys are going to be. All I would be doing, and I'm just being honest here, all I would be doing is reading the posts that are already out there, maybe talking to some people about it, and then kind of putting together my own opinion. But Honestly, for the most part, I would be over-projecting confidence if I talk about who the Twins should take, or even at this point in early February, before spring training, who the Twins will take. I don't think the Twins know who the Twins are going to take yet. They just got a new scouting director. Things can change between now and June. You see that in every pro sport. I think baseball is no exception. So Hunter Green's the name that you know you keep reading about, but honestly, guys, I don't think that I know any more about that stuff than you do. Um, MG Stein asks, when are you headed to RSW? That would be the Florida airport. Um, I'll be there by next week. I know that uh, pitchers and catchers report uh, this coming weekend. So I'll be there working on my uh, working on my suntan. If you're watching this on Facebook Live, it makes a little bit more sense than if you're just listening to the podcast. And if you're just listening to the podcast, I'll just fill you in on the joke. I will not be working on my suntan. I am as pasty as you could imagine. Um, so I will be wearing my SPF 30, reapplying every couple of hours, and uh, donning the bucket hat to keep the sun off my face. Um, hope to see you down there, Stein. Pabst Blue Ribbon is always smooth, always refreshing, and the perfect choice at the game or out with friends. And now, add gold to the great PBR tradition, because Pabst Blue Ribbon was awarded the gold medal for American-style lager at the 2016 Great American Beer Festival. That makes four gold medals for PBR in the last 11 years. Not bad. It's that gold medal taste that has made Pabst Blue Ribbon the Twin Cities favorite. When you're this good, quality always comes through. Go for the gold. PBR me ASAP. Hey guys, before we continue on with the rest of this Touch em All podcast, it's Phil Mackey here for all of you Twin Cities area listeners to tell you about Luther Brookdale Toyota. 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard is the location. My family and I have been going to this car dealership and service department for three plus decades. And there's a reason for that. It's the best in the business, the smartest and friendliest people in the business. They'll treat you like family. So find out why my family and I have been going to the same dealership and service department for multiple decades, right on the corner of 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard, LutherBrookdaleToyota.com. Let's see. Tim Rand, uh, Timothy Rand asks, what do you think of the defense this year? This is a good question. 
The corners in the outfield should be better. Sano at third will be serviceable, I think. My main concern, like most, is at shortstop. That was all Timothy's uh, question. I was reading that for the listeners. Um, so you're worried about shortstop, but you think Sano will be fine, and you think the outfield corners will be better. Let's let's just tackle those in order. The corners will be better. The outfield defense will be pretty good unless Robbie Grossman is the starting left fielder. Robbie Grossman was bad as a left fielder last year, and I don't really see a lot of upside there. Um, I was naive and foolish to think that Oswaldo Arcia could be better than he's shown because he's actually way more athletic than you'd think. You watch him in left field and you see Delman Young, but then you see him like in batting practice and working out and uh, and even just shagging fly balls before the game. And you see this guy with like a reasonable arm and who's like kind of fast for for a guy who looks a little bit bigger. And I just thought like, man, it's there's got to be more in there. But he never showed it. I don't know that he ever will. He landed in the National League, so now he'll have to show it if he wants uh, plate appearances and time, um, playing time. But, uh, but Robbie Grossman, I don't. I, I think Robbie Grossman's a great on-base threat, and that's the reason I projected him to be the starting left fielder in my uh, January roster projection. But, boy, I just don't see, like, a, a slick-fielding uh, outfielder when I, when I watch Grossman play. I could be wrong. I mean, I'm not a pro scout, but, like, I think if he's your starting left fielder, you're giving defense away in the name of an offense in left field. Byron Buxton will win a gold glove someday, so uh, and probably multiple. So center field, you're fine. Right field, I think Kepler's actually pretty good. I think Kepler's kind of one of those sneaky players that Twins fans who've maybe checked out a little bit the last year or two, understandably, with how bad they've been, uh, they're going to be pleasantly surprised by how good of a player Max Kepler is. He's a, he's quietly very rock solid, and all the talk is around Byron Buxton and Miguel Sano. But I said this basically all the way through his minor league career. Was like, uh, it was as soon as he had surfaced, I think he was playing in, uh, was it the Florida State League, and he posted some numbers, and you're like, oh, who's this kid? Well, keep an eye on Max Kepler. And now he's here. He had a great rookie year, um, and I think he's kind of that all-around player that you look for. He's he's not going to be the superstar necessarily, but I think he'll make multiple all-star games. So Max Kepler in right field, solid. Uh, let's get to the rest of your concerns here. Sanoa third, serviceable? Question mark to me. I don't know if I see it. I don't know if a 268-pound guy who, granted, is athletic for his size and has a rocket for an arm. I just don't know that you're going to consistently see him making the splash plays that we saw him make. Thad Levine said that his analysis with the Rangers was that Sano's actually pretty good at coming in on those soft choppers. I agree with that. I think you see Sano make some plays that you would not expect. Um, And he's good going to his backhand, too, because of that rocket arm. If he can get to the ball he can still take a half a second to set and throw because of that cannon. I just, how can you drop so many pop-ups last year and be counted on going into a 2017 season at a position you've never really played consistently in the majors? Um, I think, I'm not saying that he can't do it. I'm not saying he can't be a league average third baseman. In fact, it's possible that he could be better than that. But I'm skeptical. I think it's more of a question mark than a than a like a guaranteed serviceable. Um, but I guess I agree with your assessment that it's it's possible he'll be serviceable. Um, that's one of the big wait and see things for me for 2017. How good is Sano going to be at third base? And as I wrote in a column last week for the website, 
how is he going to hold up? Like, is he going to play 155 games? Or are you going to have to DH him? Or are you going to have to play him at third base? Um, I'm curious to see what happens with Sano in 2017, just like the rest of you guys. Um, Bob, you're asking about the park move. I addressed that a little earlier in the video, so I'll just refer you to the podcast. Go check out um, Touch Em All on iTunes, and I'll, uh, I'll post this. But a quick thought is that I'm a little surprised that they took him off the roster. I didn't expect him to open the year um, on the 25-man roster, like as the starting DH. I kind of think that role is going to go to Kenny Vargas. But still a little surprising that they would take the risk that somebody else would claim him. There are some people that say it'd be great for the Twins if if someone else claimed him and took the salary off the books. I don't agree. I don't think $9 million over three years is that much to, pl- to pay a player. And while I'm not convinced it'll work out for park in the big leagues i mean there's a percentage chance and so if you're the twins you kind of have to decide if that percentage chance is worth paying a salary uh, they apparently don't think so or they're hoping that he'll clear through waivers and they can send him to rochester that's where i kind of pegged him to start the year anyways um so yeah more extended thoughts on that bob uh, on the podcast um who else has got questions uh, Brian Mosey. Hey, Brian. Uh, is there anything else the Twins need to do before the start of spring training to solidify the team? Um, they could add uh, Jason Hamill signed now with the Royals, so I don't see them at going the starting pitching route necessarily. But there are still free agent relievers available. Um, Matt Belisle was not the best of the bunch. Um, I don't think that means that they're done. I don't think signing Belial means, okay, signed, sealed, and delivered. Here's our 25-man roster. Let's see how it shakes out in spring training. I could still see them adding another reliever. I I might be tempted to. I know there's some good arms that are going to be squeezed or some, some good prospects that you'd like to see get some innings in the big leagues this year. Um, but, you know, they've got they've probably got Glenn Perkins coming back. They've got Brandon Kinsler, a veteran, and now Belial, a veteran. They might they might not be done there. So I'd say let's wait and see. Um, I wrote about Napoli a while ago. I don't I don't expect that. I don't know that it fits real well. Chris Carter's still out there. Same thing. Kind of like a an empty power bat. Um, somebody will pay him, but I'm not sure it makes a ton of sense on the 2017 Twins. I guess it depends where they think they are relative to some of the contenders in the American League. But uh, we'll wait and see on that. Thanks for the question, Brian. Um, Bob asks, Green has to be the number one pick, right? I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> we already talked about how utterly unqualified I am to uh, to talk MLB draft in February. Um, Brian also asks, uh, are there players to look for in spring training? Any sleepers? Well, I'll have to think more on this, to be honest with you, because I've got a post scheduled that I'll uh, do some research on for this. But uh, two guys that I think are interesting... One of them's Angel Vielma. He's a shortstop, and he, he hasn't played above double-A, but from what I've seen from the glove, he is slick. He's on the 40-man roster. I think I'd rather see him in the minor leagues if I was the Twins so that I can see how the bat will continue to develop. He's a tiny guy. He's like my size, and I'm not physically imposing. Um, I'm about as physically imposing as I sound on this podcast, but... He is a slick fielding shortstop that I could see having a future in the big leagues. I'm just curious how much he's going to hit, and I'm curious about his positional flexibility. Because if he were to make the Twins this year, I wouldn't expect it to be as a starting shortstop. I think it would be more like a a backup utility infielder. But with a guy like that that I'm kind of curious about long-term, 
I'd rather see him in the minor leagues and see what he develops into rather than sort of stunting his growth by by putting him on a major league bench, if that makes sense. That's just kind of my general philosophy. I know it's not; it doesn't hold true in every situation. But um, so Vielma would be one guy who's kind of a sleeper. Um, another guy who's a sleeper. Uh, oh, I just saw this guy at Twins Fest. I think this is the first time I'd seen him. It's Aaron, and I don't know how to pronounce his last name, but I've heard Sleegers. I've also heard Sledgers. So I don't know who to trust on that one. And sorry, guy, that I have your name wrong. But he's a towering pitcher, and I'm curious. I've seen his numbers. Good stuff. So I don't know how far away he is. I don't know if he makes the Twins this year. I don't know if he even ever surfaces. But I'm very curious um, after seeing him at Twins Fest. So that'd be a couple of sleepers. And I see someone else mention another sleeper here. Um, so I'll just mention his name. John asks, will we see Daniel Palka this year? There is another uh, sleeper who I don't expect to make the team, but would be very interesting if he did. Uh, Big-time power bat, and he's shown that in the minor leagues. He also strikes out a lot. He's kind of a similar bat profile anyway, statistically, to Adam Brett Walker, who was taken off the 40-man and is now out of the organization. Um, but I don't know as much about Palka as a defensive player. I had heard kind of through the grapevine uh, Walker was just going to be limited defensively. It was going to be pretty tough to find a spot for him, and that was um, dating back a while. That wasn't just a recent uh, development. Um, I saw him in the Arizona Fall League, but he didn't play outfield when I was there, so I didn't get to evaluate that. He was DH and then first base, I think. Um if Palka is just a bat, it makes it less interesting. If he can play a defensive position, then I think uh, it's something worth exploring. I don't know if you'll see him this year, to be honest. I think that would be a little bit of a stretch, but he has torn up the minor leagues and posted huge power numbers. Um, I would just caution that power numbers in the minor leagues doesn't always it doesn't always uh, translate to uh, usable skill in the big leagues, especially in a role that he would likely be in, which I think right now, the way I look at it, probably bench bat. So um, we'll see. It's a good question, John. And there's another sleeper for you, Brian. Um, I didn't even have to come up with it. John came up for it, with it for you. So um, Timothy asks, wouldn't Rosario be a good option at left field? And I talked about Grossman earlier. I projected Grossman to start just because like, even with him quote unquote cooling off at the end of the year, Great offensive numbers. I think he posted a 380 on base percentage, and if you want that in the bottom third of your lineup, boom, take that. But there is a defensive trade-off. I think Rosario took a step back defensively last year, which was shocking to me because he had such a great rookie year. But he definitely has more uh, upside and tools defensively than Robbie Grossman does. I wouldn't be shocked at all to see Rosario the opening day left fielder. Um, I projected him to be the fourth outfielder because I think he's got some very real plate discipline concerns. Um, I don't know that unless he changes as a as a hitter, as a player, that he's ever going to be a real impact player. Um, with that being said, I know he's working hard at it, so it's totally possible that he will correct some of those things. That My basic issue with Rosario is he thinks that he can hit every ball everywhere. He thinks he's Vladimir Guerrero, and I just don't think he's Vladimir Guerrero. So if he figures out the sort of the more Paul Molitor approach of take the strike zone, shrink it, find a spot where you're going to do damage with a pitch, and then you get to two strikes, well, fine, and then you try to avoid striking out, and, and you're kind of more at the mercy of the pitcher. But Rosario is the kind of guy that 
he'll get a first pitch at his eyes and if it's a fastball that he likes he's going to swing at it and i just like to see him cut that behavior down i think he could be a real impact player if he learns to refine his strike zone a little bit more figure out where he's better at hitting the ball granted he's got excellent hand-eye coordination so there really are some pitches at his eyes that he can do damage on and that's problematic because then you get it in your head i can do this i can do this and i think the problem is you can do it but you can only do it a certain percentage of the time and the odds aren't in your favor so yes timothy rosario would be a good option in left field and if the outfield is rosario bucks and kepler I think the pitching staff's going to be awfully happy with the fact that not a lot of fly balls are dropping in between that outfield. So, um, long answer to your question, yeah, I, I'm not overlooking Rosario. I think most people are projecting him for a starting role. I just have enough real concerns about him, sort of like long-term as a player, and I, I think you shouldn't overlook the fact that Robbie Grossman did have a breakout year last year. Will he repeat that? I don't know, but it's, it's, uh, it's at least intriguing to me. So... Um, I don't know if that really answers your question. I hope that it does, Timothy. Um, Bob says, you're high on Blanton. Is that because of his ability, or do you think he can add leadership that would be valuable enough to not bring up a young arm instead? It's a good question. I actually think Blanton's been a great pitcher the last two years. I've been arguing with colleagues at the 1500 ESPN studios for like two weeks about this. Blanton's numbers since becoming a reliever are excellent, and they are tainted, in my humble opinion, by the fact that he was kind of like a mediocre starter, and towards the end, he was like a bad starter. Since he switched over to the bullpen, Joe Blanton's been a very valuable arm, and I don't think that we should use the uh, postseason against him and say that he has no value anymore. I think Joe Blanton as a right-handed option in the bullpen would be like one of the Twins' best options right now, and that's saying something. So, yeah, I'm high on Blanton. I don't know anything about his leadership or clubhouse uh, ability other than that you haven't read anything about, you know, a disastrous blow-up from him. Like, he's not Jonathan Papelbon, basically. That's that's all I know. Um, so it's more the former. It's more about his ability than about his leadership, Bob, but thank you for the question. Um... Yeah, that looks like that's the end of the questions on here. So I'm going to wrap up the podcast. I'm going to wrap up the video by saying thank you for coming. Anyone who had a question, thanks so much for asking it. If I missed it in the comment section, I'm going to go back and I will answer all of those later. If you want more Twins Talk, obviously I've got two recommendations. Obviously you can subscribe to the Touch Em All podcast. Do that either on iTunes or whatever podcast app you use on your phone. I, that's where I subscribe to it. I don't go through iTunes. I just go to my podcast app and hit subscribe on Touch Em All. Um, I'd love ratings there. If you guys give us a five-star review because you like the podcast, we would very much appreciate that. Um, the other place where you can find Twins Talk all the time is my Facebook page. Just check that out at Derek Wetmore MLB. I think it's facebook.com slash Derek Wetmore MLB. Wow, I waited till the end of the podcast, end of the video to trip up on a word, and it happened to be my own last name. Um, I think that means I need another cup of coffee and that this podcast is over. So thank you so much for coming, for watching this video, and uh, for listening to the podcast. We sure appreciate it, and we'll see you from spring training next week, guys.